2: Welcome back to The Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and in today's beautiful discussion, I got to break it down with Mr. Brad Pilon. Uh, I've been meaning to have him on the show for a while now, so it's fabulous getting him on here. He is the author of Eat, Stop, Eat. He is got a master's degree in applied human nutrition. He's in pretty phenomenal physical condition himself. Um, really, really wonderful time getting to discuss the ins and outs of fasting, intermittent fasting. How much is too much of a lot of things, nutrients, protein, all the various macronutrients, really breaking down what we need and maybe what kind of superfluous fluff are we putting into ourselves and wasting our money on in the supplement industry.
3: Yeah, so adaptability both metabolic, right? Like I wanna be the human equivalent of a cockroach. So if there's a nuclear fallout, there's gonna be cockroaches to survive and Brad Pilon do like eat anything. Then all of a sudden you're buying your like concentrated cranberry juice and blueberry juice cause the antioxidants. And then research comes out being like, oh dudes, too many antioxidants is an oxidant. People are like, what are <laughs> you doing? Why? What do you mean too many antioxidants are an oxidant? You're killing me.
2: Muchisimo gracias Brad Pilon for coming on. Oh, uh, thank you so much for visiting the website aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com on there you'll find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement you'll find the self-care kit which is a hollow foam roller with screw on lids so you can store crap in that little sucker um the crap that i store in there is beautiful crap it is two different size mile fast release balls it is a heavy duty elastic band and then a door anchor so you can attach that band into the door and adjust it to different heights so you can decompress shoulders hips ankles knees get your workout on whenever you're into Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, A couple things this week I've been pondering upon is uh, that beautiful feeling you get when you fill your gas tank up. Apologize, fossil fuels, but that feeling you get when your gas tank is fuel, fuel, full in your vehicle. Um, I've been thinking about, as I am kind of calling out favors to friends to help me out with uh, building this house and kind of just working on various different Dimensions of my reality, and thinking about that relationship of giving and taking, and trying to find homeostasis within that, and uh, just kind of fun little little thing to think about is kind of looking at various relationships in your reality and seeing how fuel, how, how full, is the tank in those relationships. Do you have a full, beautiful tank in all the, all the random connections you have in your reality? Or are you kind of running on empty and still asking the engine to go? I just writing nice messages to people, going out of your way to do nice things, just smiling, connecting, call people just to say hello, tell them you love them, they might die, you might die, things change when that starts to happen. Um, So that's my thought. And that can relate to your business, that can relate to your home, Maslow's hierarchy, figure out your home status, and then from there you're able to branch out like a beautiful butterfly, Um, Thank you so much for listening to the rants of today, and uh, thank you so much for subscribing and sharing and uh, reviewing this podcast on iTunes. That is absolutely wonderful. I'm doing my darndest to make sure that I am maintaining a fuel, a full tank of gas with uh, listeners on the show, and I've been getting amazing comments from people all over. Uh, It's been really, really rad. Recent one, just got a... Quickly check it out uh, from Memphis Physical Therapy. Aaron has changed the way I treat patients as a physical therapist. In school, we focus so much on basic linear movements to strengthen and improve range of motion in joints and muscles, but that's not how the body moves. And then uh, he continues just a beautiful, beautiful review. Thank you so much, Memphis Physical Therapy, for breaking it down in the review section. Um, you guys are wonderful. Uh, Just got back from Austin, Texas. Thank you everybody out there for such beautiful support. That was just fabulous. Quick quote before we go on to Thangs is, I think this is from from, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, and it is, first you build your home, and then your home begins to build you. That's just so interesting and true in my opinion. and uh, something to ponder on. Look around your reality, look at your relationships, look at the house you live in, the car you drive, the organization of all that stuff in your peripheral reality, and is it serving the most optimal version of yourself? Is it serving your vision? Because you will fit into that box that you've put yourself in, I guarantee it. I got some music for you today, I picked this up while I was in France over the winter. Uh, This is uh, Irreversible by Yusufa. Uh, Really interesting, I love, love, love French hip-hop and uh, it's amazing when you look at, speaking of your your home creating you, uh, when you look at French culture and the history, the rich history that they have and the architecture that if you're just cruising anywhere in France practically. It is so old and so rich, and just it has to imprint on you, and you can tangibly feel it. And I think that we witnessed that with their art and their underground hip hop scene and all that. So, this is uh, a shortcut uh, of Yusufa, and then, end of the podcast, I'll include the rest of that thing for (laughs)
1: you. Je te raconte le deal, le rap contre le kill Noir Désir c'est les chroniques d'un rappeur solo qu'on con, contre mille Je compte revenir après tout ce que j'ai enduré Et sur ce son si je pars en vrille, Julien y'a que toi qui pourra me censurer Rap dans la vie de cachot est écœurante. Je suis incompris comme un manchot qui chez les flics dépose une main courante Un coup je rentre, un coup je me chie dessus
2: Thank you so much. Uh, here we go. Back to the shizzy with Mr. Brad P. Bum 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 boom.
0: line podcast.
3: Once it gets just like cold, miserable, I'm a, I'm a wuss. I'm a pure inside heat right. on. Right. If I could work out without a fireplace, I would. Like right. that's
2: Yeah, You're like screw the screw the cold shock proteins.
3: Oh I want, yeah.
2: <laughs> I want oh, marshmallows. Oh.
3: Oh well, yeah, exactly. If I had to pick between extra fat burning from a cold shock protein right. and marshmallows in a hot chocolate, I'm going marshmallows the like, time. No. That's hey, no like, There's yeah. also
2: the whole serotonin, dopamine, like feel nice, cuddly. Yeah, response. I am. Yeah, that's if you, important.
3: If you want to go for what I'm addicted to <laughs> it's on that side and shit. Yeah, right? like you know, if you have to choose between feel good or abs, I'm going feel right? yeah, good. So, but yeah, so the outside stuff works um, when I'm in the appropriate environment for it. Right, yeah. so like if I'm on vacation or something like that, I'm, like <laughs> during the summers we'll go away to a cottage on a lake. Right. I'm bringing the blast wraps and we're training outside. Cool. Right, but during ten months out of the year, I'm, I'm in a bunker just because it's too cold. So are you
2: are you full Canuck? Are you uh, like born and bred? That's where you. That's where your yeah. homestead's
3: at. Yeah, cool. yeah. So 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 born and in bred in Canada, which was a my 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 parents, my mom's side. Is actually from the Caribbean. So at some point my grandfather just had the worst idea ever. And he was like, fuck living on an island where it's always nice. I'm gonna move to Canada. Yeah. And so that's, that's how perfect. we ended up here. So I blame the Caribbean blood, is why I'm such a
2: horrible Canadian. Right. Yeah, but you'll be a much better fighter in Canada. And a oh, logger right. and, and like all that. You'll grow a much yeah. better beard. There's yeah, right. Naked. There's, all there's, all a, there's yeah. a lot of better. So we yeah. are um, I record the whole time and yeah, cool. and uh, that's just, I just I'm not into like the standard intro thing. I think it's weird. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When
3: you read off, like, you're Uh, just It's it's your bio from your blog. And when you read it on the blog, it makes sense. And then when someone says it out loud, you're like, it's not even English. God,
2: I'm an asshole. Why did I write that?
3: Yeah. So everybody knows I'm a pretentious ass now. Let's get the interview going, right? Like, yeah, no. I like it when it flows a bit better. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, so the reason that I mention the monkeying around on trees and kind yeah. of getting outside, like adaptability, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the big word. It should have been the big word for a long, long time. Now it's like becoming almost a buzzword, I think. Or maybe it's yep. just in, my, in between my ears that it's a buzzword. But metabolic adaptability is what's something that you have mentioned. Is it adaptability not a buzzword yet? It will it be is, in like you know, two years, is, I promise.
3: Like, I, when it comes to <laughs> exercise, I feel like it's over-sciencing the word play. That's right, exact, like, yeah, exactly. like, I just read an article today, and what was it saying about um, the problem with kids is we're taking with all this extra math in school and not enough exercise. And I'm like, oh, no, not exercise, play. That's I want, I, I want them to play, right? So same with adults. like, it's it's you know those indoor playgrounds for kids. Uh-huh. You're, oh, I want one for adults so bad, right? Right? Where you just like, I want to get stuck in one of those tubes, right? Like <laughs> that that whole thing. Yeah. Like so, yeah. So adaptability both. Metabolic, right? Like, I want to be the human equivalent of a cockroach. So, if there's a nuclear fallout, there's going to be cockroaches to survive, and Brad Pilon, because I can eat anything. Right. Right. And from an exercise point of view, you want to be adaptable to the point where, you know, I don't want to be the guy who bench presses like this, exactly like this, for 10 years of his life. And the one time I go to a gym where I have to do this, I blow a shoulder right? because I, I switched it this much of an angle. Right. I want to be adaptable and, and be able, able to move in different planes, uneven ground, that kind of thing. Because yeah. I want to be able to move, but I'm older, right? So yeah, yeah, and that's absolutely.
2: the key. Well, yeah, the analogy that I've used probably a million times is, is that your movement expression is analogous to language. You know, yeah. so if you if you know it's like when I learned Spanish in like high school or whatever, I thought I spoke Spanish because I you know, I had like a hundred sentences sorted out. And then yeah. you go and try and have a conversation and you're screwed because oh, yeah. it, 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 it doesn't fit into those boxes. You have a bunch of you know, square pegs trying to fit them into triangle holes or whatever it is. Totally. That is what that's what that's what we're shooting for here. You yeah. know, is is starting to round people's edges out. And that's yeah, something that's good something that you mentioned, that I already mentioned that you mentioned, is the metabolic flexibility. Yeah. And that gets into, which I didn't want to get straight into this, but it's, it's kind of a, a decent segue of getting into, also, we have the same inflexibility with our diet, I think. You oh, know, yeah. Even
3: the word diet itself is inflexible. So inflexible, yeah. You know, I, with diet, too, people literally wanted to find who they are by what they eat or don't eat, right? And it's it's crazy because it becomes so inflexible. And I have no issues with people who are making decisions to remove foods out of their diet or include foods based on morals or ethics or some sort of principle like that. But when it comes down to, you know, I don't eat that because I want abs, right? Like that sort of principle. I'm like, well, to me, the goal should be able to eat that and have abs, Right, you should be. You're if you're striving for a way of eating that allows you to maintain a weight and a look you're happy with, you want it in a way that you're eating that you're happy with, and that, like, exactly like you said, it has a level of flexibility. Whereas, the more diet, the more rules involved, and especially if they're just involved because it's so internalized, you're doing it for you to create a better look. Yeah, man, you're limited, like, you're really focused in there as to what you can and can't do, right? Yeah. And you don't learn anything past. If I just cut out ninety percent of the foods I like, I can look the way I like. It's such a weird give and take from
2: Yeah. And something with that, it's like, you know, as far as language goes or movement practice goes, like you go and take a dance class and you realize I was going to go with dance when you start saying yeah, movement practice. You know, yeah. all of a, all of a sudden you're like, Wow, I d I I don't know I don't I don't know how to move. I had no, no idea. All. And something yeah. that I like about fasting is I discovered fasting probably like Four years ago, for the first time nice. ever, and I did a seventy-two hour fast. And it's long, yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool. Like it wasn't that yeah. long. It's a funny thing how it how it works. Once you start getting into the thing, you're like, I could, I could probably go a week, you know. And then yeah. once it, which I didn't go a because I ended up like going rock climbing and like tearing myself down, and I was like madly hungry afterwards, so yeah. I ate. But you get in this really interesting like ninja place where you're like, I don't think I need food anymore. <laughs> yeah, no
3: it's the weirdest feeling yeah no i agree so what the, what is that it's a couple things right you are i mean if, if you look at the two metabolic states as yeah, just basically a fed state and a fasted state right so fed state you're relying on the food you've eaten to provide all the building blocks you need during that day and then in, fasted state you're relying on your body stores to provide those same building blocks so once you're fully into a fasted state your body is sitting there going like it! well i got a lot of stuff here to work with yeah. right so if this is what you're going to do i'm going to just fully adapt to using this stuff and let me know when you want to eat again and it just sort of gets comfortable and it, you know it's it's fun to go into all the metabolic pathways and you talk about the release of free fatty acids and you have ketones and you have all the ghs is protein sparing but when it comes down to it it's just these building blocks stuff that have been made available to your body and if it's not coming by food your body slowly transitions to using its own supply
2: yeah.
3: and then it, it goes okay well if that's what you're doing I, that's what you're doing and it just adapts it's exactly what we've been talking about with adaptability yeah. your body's so adaptable once it's kind of had a couple tries at it that it knows okay this is this is what we're doing right now for my foreseeable future for the you know Trillions upon trillions of reactions I need to oversee to create what we call life. I get to use this stuff. So that's what I'm going to do. So it really is just a quick, well, not quick, but a metabolic shift over into a a fasted state where your body is working the way it's supposed to work while there's no food available.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the interesting thing that I've kind of noticed with the analogy that I use for it is, is spring cleaning. You know, so when I go into a fasted state, it's like all of that crap that could have been kind of like up in the attic that you're like, yeah, the house is clean. It's totally clean. But
3: like, have you been in the attic? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's well, because it's it's finding stuff to work with. Right. So and it's it's a really cool process. And people get very hung up in the am I losing lean mass? Am I not? Right. And the reality is, is your body is a pretty smart. Thing. it does almost everything that it does without your permission right like you're not right now really focusing on the amount of blood that's being delivered to your left bicep you're just trusting it's happening okay. so when you're fasting there is movement of lean body tissues around they, they, they look at your left bicep and they're like well that that one little strain of protein right there it's kind of kind of ruined anyways we're gonna take it we're gonna break it down we'll, we'll place it but these pieces we can use over here it's like the ultimate recycling Right? So you have this process where you're burning fat. You are, I like to say, in a, in a state of, of lean body mass flux. I don't know if loss is the right word as much as your housekeeping. You're getting rid of the really damaged stuff. Yeah. But everything else, you're breaking down and trying to figure out where else you can use it. So exactly like you said, it's going in the attic a bit, and it, it's figuring out what is up there, what can we use. Right, What is up there is just junk we need to get rid of. So yeah, spring cleaning is a, is a great way to look at it. So not only are you now... Using what you've got stored, but you're also taking taking inventory, yeah. right? And figuring out what can stay and what can go. Yeah, yeah.
2: So that's that's like cellular autophagy, right? It's like <laughs> it's like getting rid. It's
3: it's spring cleaning. Yeah, you know which it? I pronounced as autophagy for like the first six months until I was actually at a conference and I said it. Yeah. And one of the people in the audience are like, "What? What are you talking about?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Autophagy," and they're like, "No." I'm like. A- Autophagy? They're like, right. yes. Like, oh, amazing. Autophagy is yeah, so, a... Yeah, go on. a... <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's the French. Come yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah, you're literally just sort of spending some time doing some cleanup. And it's not really an, an on or off thing, but we know it's happening at a far greater rate and, and optimally while you're fasting, right? Because you're not dealing with this massive influx of stuff coming in through your food.
2: Yeah, and so I've been doing a lot of, uh, when, by a lot of I mean like twenty five minutes of research around uh, fasting in relation to religious practices, right? You know, yeah. and so I just got back from uh, Morocco. I was out there for a couple months, and so going through and just, I may I I really like the Muslim religion. By the way, it's yeah. it's, it's it's a real shame that it's getting so much bad press because a yeah. small minority of it, of insane individuals all of a sudden represent the whole thing. But that's a separate thing. But it's all religions too, right? Like of it, you, you just
3: take the one example, right? Yeah, the most extreme one, and then you you, you pigeonhole everybody like that, right? But yeah. Name a religion; that doesn't have some sort of fasting component to it. Yeah,
2: and so Absolutely. what? So yeah, so one of the things that I was I was looking into that one of the things that I saw pop up often was it was you know deepening your relationship with God or kind of bringing you closer to your felt sense of of, of God. Yeah. You know, and, and the th- and I kind of like go deeper into that. And that's like, all right, all right, all right. When you kind of rid yourself of that clutter and that static information that we're surrounded by all day long, focusing yeah. on the job, nine to five, drink the beer, watch the game, go to sleep. That's yes. your life. You know, all of a sudden you throw a wrench into the system. Like I'm not going to eat for 24 hours, or 48 yes. hours. It forces you to kind of change your perspective on things a little bit. And I think that's... Religion has a lot of cool stuff to it at times and a lot of weird stuff too, but like there's some practices like that. you know have you had any kind of experience like that with yourself or it's like
3: I- yeah so in in Taoism, they referred to it as I was like heart mind fasting. and I thought that was a really interesting thing because when you're when you' remove yourself from eating and eating is this driving force every day and not a driving force as in like, you need calories to survive, but as in it's so habitually ingrained in your life. Yeah, when all exactly. of a sudden you're not stopping for a coffee and a donut on your way to your work, right? And all of a sudden when it, it's time for, when you would normally get up and kind of walk over and grab a, a pop or a cola midday, you don't. Right. It, it, it makes you so aware of your, your daily practices and your daily habits, but now you're kind of watching it from this third party, right? You're kind of removed because... Your habits are like, no, dude, now, now is when you walk over to Tom's cubicle and you two of you go across the street and grab a Coke. Right. And you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that today. And everything just it changes, right? And that's – if you're going to take one thing away from experimenting with fasting, it has nothing to do with learning how to name the different hormones that go up or down. It's learning why and when you eat in a given day, and it's all habits. Right, that very few of us eat in a day because all of a sudden you're like, I'm completely getting energy. Like if I don't eat in the next couple of minutes, I'm actually gonna pass out because I don't have any fat left in my body, my glycogen's depleted, and I'm I look like a guy at the end of a marathon, like stumbling drunk towards like no one's very few of us are like that. Right. We eat because I normally eat at this time, at this place, with this person, watching this show. It's so habitual, that's what drives it. And then you go grocery shopping and it's this weird sort of influx of advertising slash habits slash I like the color of that bread packaging. Uh-huh. When you're removed from all of that, you become aware of it. And if you can just take that learning to your daily eating when you're not fasting, you really do learn, you really do get a bit more control over where the food is coming from and why it's coming from where it is. Right. Yeah. Coca-Cola also really good for
2: cleaning uh, corroded battery terminals. And... Yep. <laughs> Yeah. and when you know like get the
3: bolt that's really really fused, you pour coke on that too, you know? and
2: perfect for your intestines. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. and like hair clogs in the drain and in your intestines. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, yeah the uh, and then the other thing that I think is interesting with as far as like breaking habits, a quote that I one of my favorite quotes is the reason that you travel is to arrive at the place that you started and understand it for the first time. And That's I think, cool. and I think that that relates over to fasting as well. You know, it's like yeah. getting out of that habituated rut that you've dug with your five meal pattern a day thing or three, whatever it is, and getting to observe. You know, I like how, I love how you said that kind of like third person perspective of getting to yeah, watch. Totally. Yeah. And I, it's
3: you one say of my stuff? favorite things. Yeah, is in um, okay in a lot of nutrition research, we do a three day recall. Right, so we have a bunch of subjects. They're in a study, and then we call them on Sunday, and we're like, "Can you just, you know, rehash me put you on a Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday?" And then the subjects do their best to remember. And it's one of the major faults of nutrition research because the subjects suck at remembering. So you realize how boring and monotonous is your daily food. That on Sunday, I asked what you ate on Saturday, and you kind of don't know. Right, Whereas with fasting, you realize, you know, if, if this really isn't exciting, I don't have to eat it. Yeah. But like I know tonight I'm having this like awesome curry dish. It's just going to be mind-blowing. I'm looking forward to it. And if you ask me a week from now how that dish was, I would like, it was great. Like that's what I want. Yeah. I don't want people eating out of habit. And then at the end of the day when you're like, what did you eat? And they're like, oh, not, not much. And you're like, well, you ate a ton. You ate all day. It just was so unexciting yeah. that you can't even remember what it was. And that's, that's exactly, I guess, to your point with arriving back at where you were and understanding it for the first time. Yeah. Man, if, if that's, that's some very boring eating if you can't tell me what it was or how much of it you ate. Like if you're really forgetting entire chunks of your eating day. Right. Right? So yeah. I want people to avoid that.
2: Yeah. I, I think our culture, especially with internet and podcasts and just like Twitter feeds and all this information, we've become highly neocentric. I don't know if that's a word or not, but you know, we're, we're so, it's like, Oh, is, is it new? If it's not an, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. You know, and it's, and I think it's comparable with our perception of our eating reality. You know, okay. it's just like stuff it in your face. <laughs> off the way. It's like. You go hang out with some monks in Thailand or whatever, and all of a sudden, a part, a huge part of the practice is really savoring every bite of food. Yeah. You know, it's and like if by bite of
3: food. You mean like bread? Like they're rice, savoring rice. the basics. Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. Yeah. You know, and but that's that relates to relationships. That relates to the whole
3: thing. Everything. Yeah, I've uh, I've been in a situation where you have a snack, you sit down to watch a show, and you reach over for your snack and it's gone, and you're like, yeah. where? where did, Right. I ate it. Why I didn't even enjoy. Friends? I don't even know how did I enjoy it. I didn't even know. I ate- We're like ten minutes north from Black, and I don't even know where my food went. Right, so right. yeah, getting back to taking the time to actually enjoy what you're eating. Yeah. But in a world where you do most of your eating in front of, entertained by something else, right? So you're not actually entertained by the food. And getting back to your point about like relationships, I mean, how often do we do that with the people we live with, or, or like you know, you're literally out to dinner with the person, and you're not even really aware they're there. Right, so it's very similar to how we treat food and everything else. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, that's why I just
2: I think that we we become cons- so consumed by what we think to be the perfect diet or the perfect approach, whatever it is. Yeah, and that is the driving factor that I think a lot of people are missing with health is really, like you said, stepping out third person perspective on this thing and just experimenting. You know, and that translates yeah. to adaptability. The, oh, totally. the other thing you mentioned that I think is is interesting that I notice. With fasting, is um, I feel sharper when I'm fasting. Yeah. So, so that that neurological component, and there's also there's also said to be a lot of uh, uh, protection, uh, neurological protection, along with fasting. Yes. Can we kind of sort of get into that a little bit?
3: Yeah. Well, the the neural stuff is a little outside of my wheelhouse. So okay. I've been I've been looking at it, and uh, I've had discussions about it, but it's again, it's it's a bit past my sort of just. Basic metabolic fat loss kind of schooling, okay. but what I can tell you is I did look into the cognition aspect because that was a big yeah. concern. So I yeah. wanted to make sure it was addressed in Eat Stop Eat, yeah. and it was really interesting because you really can't find evidence of a a poorer um, cognitive response while while fasting. Yeah. You have the the research on children showing that the children who skip or miss breakfast tend to do poorer in school than the children who don't. But that research is so um, convoluted by by confounders and socioeconomic status and, and why they missed a the meal, et cetera. And plus they're growing children, right? So their nutritional needs are far different than your mind. Yeah. But when you deal with adults, it's just the evidence isn't there. And in fact, what you start to find is the, the opposite, right? Is that people are actually clearer. They can be more focused on vigilant tests, right? So there, now there's evidence that, oh, you could actually do better. Yeah. And yet we have the people who state, you know, I'm actually – I'm prone to low blood sugar. It makes me foggy. But when you look at that research and you're like, all right, cool. You take a bunch of people and you're like, let me know when you're having a low blood sugar episode and we'll test you. And what you find is those same people, when you test them, their, their blood sugars levels are normal. Now, it doesn't mean that what they're feeling isn't real. They just might be way more acutely sensitive to slight dips in blood sugar. Right. But in that case, they're going to have those issues regardless if they're fasting or not. So for the majority of us, and a fast, is especially a 24-hour fast, you're going through a day, right? So you're going to have up and down periods just like you would in every other day. But those up periods might just be a bit more up. And that and the down periods may be a bit less down. So you still can have your normal daily fluctuations in your kind of brain power and how tired you are. But a lot of people are noticing your ability to do concentrated tasks, writing, that kind of thing, tends to be even better during a fast. Anecdotal, but definitely people are picking up on it.
2: I have a feeling a big part of that brain fog factor is inflammation. You know, I I, I think, and this is, I'm, you talk about you being out of your I'm way out of my wheelhouse all the time. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about
3: foam rollers and fashion. I'm like, I'm right yeah. there. I, I am so there with you, yeah. 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 No, the inflammation, I think that's a, a pretty good guess. It's hard because as things... Uh, as we become more aware of topics in science like inflammation, yeah. just like fashion, they then become trendy and everything has to do with inflammation. But looking at the recent research on the relationship between inflammation in the brain and Alzheimer's, you know, it's not it's not a far leap to suggest we should look into inflammation and the brain and just cognitive function. So just like if there's inflammation everywhere else in the body, and we know that low-grade systemic inflammation is an issue, that may, you know, my theories with it, it it actually plays a role in muscle growth, and other people's theories suggest that it can hamper fat loss. Well, those are some pretty big physiological processes, so it, it it would make sense to suggest we should start looking at other places like the brain as well.
2: Yeah, so with uh, you know, there's been repeated studies of reducing the inflammation markers in relation to fasting, and something that I see with my own self when I am in a fasted state is I notice that inflammation beyond just like the brain fog stuff. I think I think it's all one thing. I think if your brain's foggy, your joints are probably foggy too, because it's all interacting off the same the same system. And right. you know, that that might be like kooky for some people, but I really I, I really intuitively feel that in myself that my joints will feel kind of stuffy, kind of inflamed, kind of like just not yeah. as precise. All of a sudden, I start to do a little spring cleaning with that. And I'll feel if I try and do a whatever, a, a, a jump, a pirouette or something like that. I was right. like, I'm into dance. You know, if I try and do something like that, my joints feel like they've been drained almost. And they're, the, the, the signals clear. clearer.
3: Yeah, anybody who's done a five-hour flight and tried to work out afterwards knows what we're talking about. Right, right? your joints are just like there's feeling. something off, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they are totally responsive to inflammation, um, water. There's synovial fluid, so there's fluids in your joints. So anything that's going to affect that fluid balance is going to have effect on the joint for and, sure. Right? And,
2: and then, kind of leading into the other thing that that sh- that you uh, you're pretty encyclopedic on is the. The protein, the protein mm-hmm. myth, you know, and that's what, how I grew up, man. I was like in high school, literally, I was really into bodybuilding, you know, so I was like 16 <laughs> years old. I was like 225 yeah. pounds and I was had a beard and I'm very insecure, you know, and so like <laughs> every t- every two hours I would go into the bathroom and I was the guy with the little shaker thing and I was oh, like yeah.
3: pal- slamming I mean, you know, protein smoothies. It, right So you like hide it, right? It's like right. in your bag, you sneak right. it, like, it's like you're a druggie. Yeah, totally. Totally. You um, know, my it's... My biggest pet peeve that? in high school was they put the giant muscle man Lee Labradoric pictures on the tub of protein. And you're like, I have to carry this through the mall. You're not helping me out here in the see-through bag you gave me. All right, and I'm 140 pounds at five foot nine. Thank you. Thank you for that, right? But yeah, so there's a level of security, But yeah, we're all there, right? Like uh, most of us who got into this game, you know, at some point, we're just into tracking our protein on like chart paper every day, right? So And then you realize that that just did, you know, it it had a very interesting effect on our wallets, right? And and the you know the state of the air in the room we were occupying. But other than that, it it just doesn't help the way we've been led to believe to help. It doesn't say it doesn't help, but man, we were led to believe magic would happen. And and to date, the the only protein powders that had magic in them, the people who made them are now in jail. So right, (laughs) it's fascinating. It's, it's not much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and
2: so it's that, again, that kind of leads you to wonder what you, your current belief system, you know, it's like, well, now here's what I really know. It's like, well, when I was, you know, X age, whatever, I really knew that I needed 1.5 grams of protein per pound of lean body mass. Yes. Now it's like, well, I feel pretty it's good so, when I don't eat anything at all too. Yeah. Just, like what?
3: Yeah. Can and we talk a little bit about Nutrition become a lot like politics in that you have a very good body of evidence of, of well-done scientific research to support anything. And it's not a knock on the research. It, it's there, and it, it meets standards to be pretty well-done research yeah. to support anything. So then you get into the state where you're like, well, did we control for X, Y, and Z? Well, no, we didn't know to do that at the time. Well, then, you know, for protein research... If you took a bunch of people and adapted them to a low-protein diet, like 40 grams a day, yeah. and then redid the research, what would happen? Or if you adapted those same people exactly. to 200 grams a day, yeah. what, you know, like, so you spent two months in an adaption period before you did the research, what, what happens there? What if what if they were plant-based first? What if they weren't, right? And then all the, the background studies set up that was never done, it, it affects everything, right? So there's so many correlatives in research that you can you can very easily prove that the higher collection of athletic shoes you have the more likely you are to carry a bit of extra muscle mass right. you know like it, it, that'd be a pretty good study you could probably prove that pretty well right and so it, it's just like politics right you can pick what you want to believe and then you can find papers to support it so then when it comes to how you want to eat well if you what are you left with, with exception of your kind of your own intuition, and some basic fundamental principles and trial and error, right? yeah. and that's kind of where we get to with with nutrition. It, it's it's not no matter what anybody says, nothing is as proven as they're trying to lead you believe it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so,
2: that, so uh, you know, it's it's a, a firm believer that you can't really put hard. Numbers to like, okay. Everyone needs to have X amount of protein per day because that's it's, a, it's exactly what you're saying. It's a sliding scale. It depends on yes. your genetics. Depends on where you are in the, in the world, what you're doing, you're you're being like everything. Everything. But, but can you, you know, just for the folks that are like, okay, I get it, sliding scale, but I'm 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 lost on the scale. Yeah. yeah. Can oh, we gosh. give some kind of grounded like, oh, roundabout. This is maybe what you need. And people are gonna hate this because. <laughs>
3: this is the original research that was done to provide the actual sort of government recommendations in North America for what we should eat. So that 60 grams of protein per day kind of thing. everybody's like, what a joke. Well, it was actually designed to cover what the normal human in in North America, plus or minus two standard deviations would, would probably need. Right. So that number is a, Decent baseline and everybody's going to lose their mind, right? But I'm like, but if you're athletic and you're into building muscle and you're like, I just want extra assurance, you, you can go up to 100 grams as, as a rolling average. I don't care, right? Because it's not going to cause massive adverse health defense as far as I can tell. And I think 100 grams a day is something a, a paleo person could hit and a vegan person could hit. So I think it, it, it ranges a pretty good number. Don't be, don't freak out if on the, if I'm saying 100 and you hit 150, and don't freak out if you know I say 100 and you hit zero because you're fasting. Because I really believe it's this like rolling average, and I think the rolling average is what's way more important than people trying to hit these like daily numbers, right? Your your body is wildly wildly adaptive to the amount of protein that you eat. Right. It can upregulate or deregulate protein metabolism really quickly, you know, in a matter of two to three weeks. Um, And so it can adjust to the amount of protein you're eating, which is why if you and I were to agree right now that we're going to increase our protein intake by tenfold, we do another podcast in three months, we're not going to be tenfold bigger with muscle. We adapt, right? So general easy number is that 60 number that everybody hates is probably not too far off for just maintaining your body. And if you're into athletics and you're training and you're worried about muscle or you're trying to lose weight so you've cut your calories, that kind of higher number of 100 probably is is reachable for most people and not unrealistic. So I, I err on the side of 100. Yeah. I'm not – but like you said, I think it's a sliding scale number that's more of a rolling average. Some people can definitely go under. Some people might need more depending on a whole host of factors. But it's a nice safe number for most people
2: then it comes into the quality over quantity. You know, when you live in a country where you're accustomed to cookie-cutter houses being thrown up in, like, two weeks, like, neighborhood's
3: built! (laughs) Move in! Out of the beds,
2: Some of them are in. That's that's analog to the bioavailability of the food that you're actually ingesting. You know, so, so looking at, like, you know, algae apparently is highly bioavailable compared to, like, a charred, overdone steak. You know, and like this is again out of my depth. But do you
3: have any kind of thoughts on? I, I do, and I'll give you. This is again. I'll go out of my depth to match your out <laughs> perfect. My major concern with food is uh, to soil and water, yep. right? And I don't care if we're talking again animal-based living, and you're worried about your yam, or I don't care if you're a complete paleo, and you're worried about the cows you're growing in your backyard. The, the minerals and, and the nutrient content in the water and the soil yep. are what is eventually turning into that food you're going to eat. Exactly. And so, you know, who in – and I know you're out there. I'm going to apologize publicly right now because I know someone is out there doing this research, but I don't know who you are. But to me, there are not a lot of people out there to call themselves nutritionists or nutrition experts whose fundamental area of research is dirt. Right? And then they, they need to be there. So to your point, to buy availability and to, you know, what you and I would consider a tomato now versus what our grandparents consider a tomato versus what their, their grandparents consider a tomato. Right. Like, it's not like we have a 200-year-old tomato in storage where, like, let's cut this baby open and compare it. Yeah. Right? And it's not – the, the worst part is, is as we're worried the nutrient levels are going down, our ability to assay them or assess them is going up. So we didn't have the ability back then, so we don't have anything to compare to, right? So that that's my main concern when it comes to bioavailability and, and food, etc., is we don't actually know what we used to have, and we don't actually know if what we're eating now is, is similar, and it's going to come down to soil and the water and how we're raising the plants or animals that we're eventually eating. So that that's my big bioavailability concern right now is dirt. Yeah, dirts. Which I know nothing about. I can't grow anything. I keep trying.
2: Chugga, And then we lost connection for a brief moment in time. And then we got back on the line. Apologize
3: for the interruption. Bam. The nitrogen we get in our soil comes from the nitrogen in the air. After a lightning storm. And lightning fixates the nitrogen, which allows it to enter the soil, which allows it in our food. So the very fact we have nitrogen in our food at all and plants, except like plants eat it from the animals, get it from the plants, is lightning. Wow. Wow. So if, you, if anybody listening, if you have kids who are, like, crazy or afraid of thunderstorms, you tell this story that you either think you're crazy or think it's really cool and, you know, make them feel bad about the lightning. But, yeah, so, like, soil and the amount of nitrogen and, and the phosphorus in it and just all the minerals and all the bacteria in your soil... Right, that dictates the health of everything else. And my, I mean, I, I've got a big sort of thing on for if it's not soil, it's bacteria, and not so much like just gut bacteria that's really popular, but just Super. bacteria in general and soil, etc., and and how it's creating our food. But you know, you could raise any sort of plant in in the bare minimum, but what you want to do is raise it in the optimal. Right. And I don't know what that is from a water point of view, from a dirt point of view, you know, from a friendly, loving atmosphere point of view, from chipmunks laying. I don't know. Right. Like it's like a scene out of like uh, Snow White with all the flying happy birds. Right. But it's going to have an effect. And I think that's how do you compare then data from the 1920s research to data from 2020 research on nutrition and food and humans. And it's. A little mind blowing sometimes.
2: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my buddy, he's a wizard in the realm of growing anything. Um, and it, one of the things I was I was kind of mentioning before we got cut <laughs> go. off was was <laughs> he grows marijuana. But
3: <laughs> but a lot of people that do they, that they know. Are really right? That's smart. who's got that's really cool. People know because man, they have money
2: invested. Exactly, money's on the line, man. You know, but that's so that's one. There's there's a name for it, I I believe. But it was it's it's not growing in raised beds. It's putting it into the ground and then fertilizing it with natural fertilizers from the area. And uh, so it's organic wheat (laughs) It's it's completely organic marijuana. It's fantastic, you know. And so one of the main things that he has kind of like enlightened me upon is people are overfeeding their plants. You know, it's like we have, we spend so much money. Yeah, seriously. You know, and I was, so I was doing, in, in preparing for this, I was looking at uh, fertilizers for lawns. And what happens when you over fertilize your lawn is it gets really green, right? So, yeah. kind of like us, we're all perky for a little bit, but it destroys the roots. From what I read on the internet. Interesting. Okay, you know, yeah. and so I wonder... Hey,
3: if, on the internet. Oh,
2: man, absolutely. <laughs> so if anybody knows more about grass than I do, which I'm sure is probably everyone, you know, please yeah. you know notify. But I think that's an interesting analogy with what we do with ourselves. You know, when we blast yeah. ourselves with coffee, blast ourselves with like a huge strong man dinner, you know, you're like, yeah. wow, I feel really, really perky. You feel really bright. And then eventually yeah. it ends up potentially breaking you down at a deeper level, such as like organ function.
3: Yep. Um, antioxidants were a great example of that, right? Like, they got super popular. Everything was antioxidant. Then all of a sudden, you're buying your like, concentrated cranberry juice and blueberry juice because the antioxidants. And then research comes out being like, oh, dudes, too many antioxidants is an oxidant. People are like, what are <laughs> you doing? Why? What do you mean too many antioxidants are an oxidant? You're killing me. And then, of course, like the, the corporate side of it is like, no, no, no. We're, we're making like 80 million a year off our blueberry drink, so right. you go to hell you your anti- I will refute that. And then we get right back into you can find a good body of research to support anything you want, yeah. right? But in, in general, the, my biggest pet peeve when talking to people about nutrition and diet and antioxidants or vitamins is when you're like, I don't know how big of a difference that'll make. And then they look me in the eye and be like, well, I feel a million times better. Yeah. I'm like, well, I can't, I can't refute that. Like, I, hope you, I hope you're right. But then like three months later, you're like, hey, how are you st- still on that ginseng? And they're like, no, nah, I didn't do anything. I'm like, thought you felt, but you told me a million times better, right? So now it's nothing. So you, you really don't, whether it's antioxidants, anything, you try to oversaturate the system with goodness yeah. and you just end up messing things up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, that's why I, I love the root Analogy. I mean, literally with yeah. the plants, like I, I really have a feeling. That's what I feel myself. And you look at like centurions and people that are really into, you know, endurance lifestyle, like living a long, long time. There's another word for it, not yeah. endurance, uh, but yeah. living a long, living a long time. <laughs> and that's one of the big things is calorie restriction. And, yeah, then, and then their reasoning around that is that essentially, you know, you, you don't want to wear out your factory of, of nutrient assimilation, which is your,
3: your organ function. You know, you want to give your organs yeah, time the, to repair. It's, it's, a, it's a calorie needs, I also, I'm concerned about the concept of just excessive strenuous exercise. So not what you and I were talking about, but like. Of a, a oh, you're, you're kind of there.
2: Man, that's a shame. I guess we can't do video. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah, sometimes video takes more bandwidth or whatever the terminology is. So we're, 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 we're too good looking? Ah, uh, right. yes. So my, we, computer's, my computer's sweating.
3: Because yeah. that term's that not overused at all.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: My computer but, just, just had an orgasm. Yeah, done. Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> but yeah, so when it comes to longevity, right, you have just overuse of everything. I, I get really worried about our, our right now, our striving for the fastest metabolism possible the most right. exercise possible right and then you know the most food to support it but i'm like i, I think all of that may end up being a, a detriment right because when you when you look at the blue zones the areas where people you know have the highest amount of super centurions are people who live past 100 right. it's not just you know these small pockets in, in the middle east right or the far east we have like barbados is one of them right so When you actually compare them all as a whole, you get a bit of a lifestyle factor, right? You get people who just, the way they manage their stress, how often they smile, that tends to come into play too. So it's not just the people who are killing themselves with exercise and then, you know, tons of calorie restriction who are living the longest. It tends to be more of a lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And
2: there's there's a Palo something in California. I don't think it's Palo Alto, but there's a place in California as well. So I'm like, yes, represent yes. United States. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, that, and that's one of the things that we harp on a lot. Is that again, it's not just the diet. In fact, you can potentially, like you're saying, end up making things worse. You know, and one of the things that I used to preach, you know, every day because I was doing you know personal training and physical training and such was. You need to always be feeding yourself because you need yeah. to keep that metabolic fire going. Yeah, if you reduce, furnace, yeah, right? if you reduce the calories, that's great. But now you've reduced your metabolism. Is that like, was I way off? What was, what is that?
3: It's hard because there's small parts that are related. So there is a energetic cost to digesting food, right? It it, it takes effort and work. For your body to break down food, assimilate it, bring into your body, rebuild things, right? So we call that the thermic effect of food, which just basically means that there's there's a heat component, a calorie use component to digestion, assimilation. So yeah, eating is always going to increase your metabolic rate because your metabolic rate is increased by eating, uh-huh. you know. And it, it's sort of a, when people stop and think about it that way, it's kind of confusing because then when you fast, your metabolic rate is obviously going to be slightly lower because you're not digesting anything right towards the end but we're talking the differences we're talking about here are often like the amount of co- calories in a cup of coffee with a cream in it right we're like it's like 100 calories up or down and people get so bent out of shape no exercise does boost your metabolism for sure while you're exercising and there is a bit of a metabolic after effect you know if you if if you exercise so strenuously that your body can't keep up with the metabolic demand during exercise so it has to make up the deficit after exercise yes that increases the amount of calories you burn but it it seems kind of moot when you word it that way right like it so i it's one of those things where our, you know uh, it's a, a sexy word right increase your metabolic rate i just don't know how necessary or even ideal it is, right? But this way, we've done a fair amount of research on super right? And we're not like, well check out the metabolism on these guys and girls. It's not there. When we do research on really, really lean people, we don't go, well, check out how many calories they're burning in a day. That actually doesn't, it's not there. Right? The calorie thing is a very, very large concern inside fitness from experts trying to sell their expertise. Yeah. Right. So we'll debate it to to no end because it's 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 sexy and people want it debated. Yeah, absolutely. But in the grand scheme it's it's one of those ones where you're just like, Oh, like I don't I don't know if it's the end all be all of of everything, right? Like I I don't ever want to get to a point where my metabolic rate is so high that at eating eight thousand calories in a day I'm still burning off a pound of fat, you know, because my metabolic rate is just you know, it's a twenty thousand calories a day because like, if I miss a couple meals, I'm stuck in traffic. I may die. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't. That's not appealing to me. Right. It, it just seems, it, it's almost out there in the realm of. And then I want adamantium claws, right? And I want to be able to shapeshift. Like it's. It, it just doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't really seem that practical when you stop way through it. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't really concern myself about my my metabolic rate. I, I think that it's a definitely an overblown thing in average healthy people, right? So if you've got a a wasting disease, that's an issue. If you're hypermetabolic, right? So if you have a fever and and, you know you're in a, a a very bad state, well that that's what a true high metabolism feels like, right? You it's it's called hospitalized, right? So you don't want that either. So then what most people are arguing about is what is truly optimal within a realm of a couple hundred calories. So if my resting, my true resting metabolic rate at five, ten, hundred and seventy 170 pounds is like 1,750 calories, the true argument is, you know, could that be pushed to 1,850 and would there be a benefit? Or if it went down to 1,600, would there be a major concern? Like you're still working with, you know, what is optimal within normal. But I think we've taken that to an extreme and think that, you know, I can, through dietary practices, turn off my metabolic rate, which is death, right? So that's not happening, but I can get it so low that I can actually gain weight, you know, at 7,800 calories a day. And that that's not really happening. If it is, I'd argue that I'm definitely not gaining non-water weight. I'm gaining water weight as an edemic response to something I've messed up with my nutrient intake, right? right? Yeah. But, and then the same point, I don't think I can get it to a point where I'm just sitting around my house burning 5,000 calories a day. At rest, without having a severe hypermetabolic problem on my hands. Right. Yeah.
2: And one of the a very non sexy term that I, I learned recently is uh, non
3: exercise induced thermogenesis. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so people watching you on the original video and how you kind of like are constantly bopping around. You're right, not working that's out. It. <laughs> yeah, but like, dude, you I, I don't think you could sit so for five minutes if it was on a dare. No, I right? can't do that. That's how As you. That's people. Yeah. yeah. You walk through a park and you look at someone on a park bench and you're like, oh, I think that guy's dead. It's right? Dead. That's dead. Yeah. 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 That, and that's that's the
2: metabolic, you know, increase that people, we, we are such a pill-based society. I think this is changing. I know this is changing. I see it. You know, but still there's this, this old paradigm of like the pill will solve it and the pill becomes food. Increase your metabolism by eating more food.
3: Yeah. You know, it's
2: like maybe you just need to kind of bob around a little bit more. <laughs>
3: My scare with food, again, this is me kind of going outside, is you know the whole, like, let food be thy medicine and medicine be be thy food? Hippocrates, yeah. Yeah, food as a drug scares the crap out of me. Like, just because Hippocrates was brilliant doesn't mean that's the best quote (laughs) in the world, right? And I I get what people are using it for, right? But really, food as a drug is not too far off of where we are right now, Mm. right? Like, you were trying to cure everything. You know, there's not much difference from the person trying to cure, you know, their... Inflammation with, with food as there is a person who's curing their bad day by eat, overeating at night. Yeah. You're, you're still using food as a drug, both of you. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it's, it, it, it's very scary. Instead of just letting food be food and food be celebration, you know, mm-hmm. trying to pigeonhole it into this drug-like spot where it always has to have a cause and effect. Is, is worrisome for me. Yeah.
2: So we have to wrap up because we're getting to yeah. the end of the thing. I don't want to, you know, uh, be disres- dissing on your time, Brad. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I was going to say disrespectful. I was like, yeah. but the uh, one thing that I find interesting in, in the realm of food being thy medicine is, again, coming back from uh, Morocco, the spices. You know, when yeah. you walk around and you see all of these mountains of spices everywhere, I really did have more of an intimate sensation yeah, it,
3: well, it, of that, you know, a little bit of this, a little, salt and being, as opposed and to sugar, being, you being your main flavors. Right. But getting back to food is drugs. I want you experimenting with spices because they taste awesome and you enjoy them, not because you're trying to elicit a response in the organism, which is your body. Right. Right. So there's massive benefits, mm. but I'd, I'd, I'd love for you to reap those benefits because you enjoy the food rather than hating the food, but eating it because you think there might be a benefit to it.
2: Mm. I love it. Awesome, man! How do uh, people find more information from you? I'd love for people to
3: get in contact. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm. You know. I'm pretty active on Twitter. I really like Twitter. I like the 140 characters. I it blows my mind how creative and humorous people can be when they're limited. Like the really bright people could just knock Twitter out of the park. I'm not one of them, but I'm on Twitter anyways. <laughs> so you can hit me up, Brad Pelon. So that's my Twitter handle, um, and then I've got my. My blog, which is bradpeelon you're gonna follow a very narcissistic trend here. <laughs> that, that basically, on any sort of thing, you're gonna you're gonna find me at bradpeelon. I'm on Instagram, but you're you're basically gonna find pictures of the food I'm eating, the books I'm reading, and my kids doing random stuff. So, I'm not the uh, shirt off flexing the gym every day Instagram guy. But if you want to learn about my quirkiness, uh, hit up Instagram as well. And uh, but but Twitter is a great way to get a hold of me and shoot me questions if you want them answered. Awesome,
2: man. Uh, I love your work. It's a pleasure having you on and look forward to hopefully seeing you somewhere. I don't know. I probably won't yeah. make it to Canada type too soon. <laughs> but where, where are you? I'm in Bend, Oregon.
3: Yeah, see, so that seems a bit more interesting than coming up to see me, except in right. summer. <laughs> Come if down to know. the Northwest, man. Northwest was great. I've never been so I should check that out at some point. All right, Cool, thank you so much man, I appreciate
2: it
0: Align Podcast
2: Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes they determine the ranking and the visibility of the show and they make me smile so I look forward to reading those guys be sure to check out the website aligntherapy.com that's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com on there you can find my blog, you can find this podcast more information about the topics and the and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body as well. Be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is, is small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car
1: le euh, Julien, j'ai un problème dans le casque.
3: Un problème sur la voix
1: La voix, elle peu... ceinture un peu, comme... comme si elle était un peu cryptée. T'inquiète, je gère, je gère. C'est normal, ça Panique pas, panique pas. Here, yeah. panique pas, y'a qu'à l'envers qu'on peut me lire. De deux, deux, un, je revendique le droit de GT et, et de me contredire. Je te raconte le deal, le rap contre me kill, moi désir c'est les chroniques d'un rappeur solo, con con contre mille. Je compte revenir après tout ce que j'ai enduré. Et sur ce son, si je en vrille, Julien, y'a que toi qui pourra me censurer. Rap dans la vie de cachot est écœurante. Je suis incompris comme un manchot qui chez les flics dépose une main courante. Un coup je rentre, un coup je me chie dessus. Un coup je tente, un coup je ne pige plus. Intolérant, je me dispute. Je vise plus les plans galères, je me téléporte Et rêve que le montant de mon salaire soit un numéro de téléphone Faites péter les formes, faites péter le bif Vu qu'en affaire faut de la force car le dernier mot est souvent un chiffre Et souvent j'insiste, j'ai pas la bonne mine Mais empêche-moi de rêver, moi je t'empêcherai de dormir Et j'domine mais j'ai perdu du temps Mais j'ai, j'ai même perdu du poids Mais ce n'est même pas le régime du camp Moi j'ai du cran, incompris jusqu'à la fin. Ils disent que je suis anorexique alors que je faisais une grève de la faim. Je pas la faim, je tente pas de gruger Je voulais parler de nos plaintes, J'finis sur le banc des accusés. Accusés pour un speech dans un pays où les plus honorables soutiennent la morale de Roman Polanski. Trop pensif, me raconte pas Draco Offensif, les rues de Panam trop mais je me pavane gros. Les gens sont parano ou lunatiques. Si je rappe, retour aux pyramides, ils diront que je suis un illuminati Ce n'est qu'une rime active, j'en ferai pas un drame Depuis que mon âme est partie, j'ai vraiment maigri de 21 grammes Ça devient grave, est-ce que c'est la France que tu veux Boulevard en des familles crament, mais bon, l'Etat n'y a vu que du feu Qu'est-ce que tu veux, j'y vais direct, pas de ricochet, si le savoir est une arme Alors l'ignorance est un Godelichet Que les boucaves oublient les consonnes, on le sait Avec un canon dans la bouche, y'a que les voyelles qu'on sait prononcer Les rages je pousse mon buzz, faire des T.C. est une chance J'écris mes textes entre l'envie de gestes et l'urgence L'intelligence est un étrange appareil Et quand tu parles avec un con, peut-être qu'il est en train de faire pareil À qui paraît, on a la poisse ici Et si le monde te malmène, repense à Mohamed Boisizi Avec le temps les armes changent mais j'ai les mêmes cibles Je, je, je sais que ça vous dérange Mais rien n'est irréversible C'est ça même U est en rush out You le chester Et que est sa juste Soul children Les Brésil qui mes vies Gesteurs et gesteuses nous voici yeah. DJ Mic, Bertrand Canta, Al Mami, Kinshasa T'avais jamais
0: entendu des raps français
1: Faites les claps, yeah, faites péter les claps, faites péter les claps, plus fort, faites péter les claps, yeah, faites péter les claps, allez, faites péter les claps, yeah, faites péter les claps, yeah, allez, faites péter les claps, je suis revenu, gesteur en 15 années de rap, je suis devenu Toujours pas de Porsche Cayenne dans mes revenus, depuis que je rappe en Super Saiyan, je suis chevelu, vous êtes prévenu, You a changé, ghetto blaster, gesteur avec un grand G, en danger, 4, pipes hip hop dans nos veines, je fais tellement de classiques, ils finiront par m'appeler Beethoven, le ghetto veille sur les lâches et les mauvais
0: rôles, j'ai quitté le quartier, j'ai plus l'âge, traîné dans les halls, pendant que les teufs finissent...